You know who wrote that song? Anybody know? Some of you. Someone's got to know. He was a slave trader. His name was John Newton. He brought humans as slaves from West Africa to the U.S. Um, And at some point, uh, his life was uh, intercepted by God, the Spirit, and ultimately Jesus. And he was humbled at the despicable nature of his life. And in that, he, at some point, penned this song. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. It's an incredible song, and what's funny about the song is, 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 is it tells a, 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 an honest, truthful story um, that is, is, is about the tragedy of humanity, and yet, if you go out on YouTube, and, or, or on just the, the, the internet, you know, if you do the Google thing, and you search, um, who ends their concerts with amazing grace? You would be surprised at how many singing groups, rock bands, stars, and so end their concert with this song. I was stunned as I did that, and I was watching a concert in Wembley Stadium in England, and watching the band on stage sing this song at the end of their concert, and listening to the the crowd sing along with them, singing those words. I mean, who knows this song? Seems like everybody knows this song. But who lives this song? Who who, who lives it? You know, it's the the difference between, I think, uh, two words in the Bible that uh, the writers of the the second half of the Bible, that thing we sometimes call the New Testament, starts Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and goes on through Revelation. Uh, Those books, those 27 books, there's... There's a Greek word, two Greek words used for God. One is oida, and the other is gnosko. Now, for those of you taking notes, tough. Uh, <laughs> so so the, the one is really to know about God, and the other is to, to really know God. So if I could put it maybe plainly enough. Uh, There was a time in high school when I fell in love with a a girl by the name of Candy Sudeby. And and all through high school and and even through college, I knew about Candy. But then there was one day I popped a question and asked her to live the rest of her life with me, and she became Candy Sudeby Moran. And then I got to Oida, I moved from Oida to Gnosko. I got to know her, if you know what I mean. I mean, we began to intimately involve ourselves together, still to this age, believe it or not, okay? 
There is sex after 60. (laughs) Rock on, dude. Yeah, here we go. So, so I, I... I got to know who she is, and, and I got to know her rhythms, uh, her, her life, her emotions, the depths of her soul. Um, and, and we're starting a whole new series today, a series called Extravagant. How do I live a life that's generous, a, a, a life that seems to be overflowing? Because Jesus did promise. He said, I've come that you might have life, and you might have it in abundance. You might have it overflowing, as if it, it, it flowed out of things. Uh, like Friday morning, for instance, I was, I, I, I'm at a Rotary Club here on Friday morning, and, I, and because they, we hosted here, they asked me if, if we had a coffee maker around here. And it's like, I couldn't lie, you know. Sure, we got a coffee maker over there, so I, I go to make out. But, if, you know, if I don't check that coffee pot and make sure it's empty before I start the whole new pot, I get coffee overflowing. I get more coffee than I ever wanted everywhere. And, uh, and, and, but that's the kind of generosity that Jesus promised. It's the kind of, kind of uh, flow of life from heaven to earth that comes when we move from knowing about God to actually experiencing God. It's that kind of life that causes us to feel the things that we were made to feel. We were made to feel peace. We were made to have a sense of purpose in life. We we were made to to understand that life fits together and it holds together. It's not just a bunch of pieces, parts coming all the time, but it's, it's got some wholeness and some centeredness to it. There's a place where my soul feels at rest. We were made for that. That's what it means to be fully human. That's what it means to be flourishing as a human And yet, I don't believe we can have that unless we understand this song, Amazing Grace. Uh, Unless we grab a hold of the truth of it. It's wonderful words, beautiful, love to sing it, you know. And and, and I know it's easy for us to feel at times like we're wretched. But how do I overcome my wretchedness? That is the path to a generous life. Because it's the the God of the Bible who gives us a a clear understanding of what reality looks like. Now, I I realize that not everyone accepts that. Not everyone accepts the reality that's that's given to us in the Bible. But I do. And I think you're here this morning because maybe, maybe you want want to know that. Um, Maybe... Uh, some of you are here under compulsion, and, and I'm sorry for that. I, I, you know, uh, it'll be over here soon, um, and and uh, you know you, you you can you can leave. But but between now and then, I would challenge you to to think what what if the Bible is true? What if it is 
the clear picture of reality? What if it is the way to a generous life? What, is it, what if it is a way to live extravagantly? What if that were to be the case? You see, too many of us go through life living uh, on the side of knowing about God. And, and we believe that our relationship with God starts with us. And so we're always looking up, we're climbing up, we're l- trying to live up, we're trying to, you know, all the time trying to sort of please God and try to, try to figure out, you know, how do I keep the balance in my life tipped in such a way so at least I'm even, if not maybe just a little bit over on the good side. I'm not such a bad guy, you know. I don't run over my neighbor's dogs just because he took a crap in my, neighbor, my yard. You know, I'm not a bad guy. I may shoo him away or something. or I, I'm not a bad guy, you know. And, and so we think like that, you know. We think, oh, you know, there are evil people in the world, but they're not me. But why is it that we all love that song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, that saved a wretch like me? I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Why is it that song is endearing to the human soul? Because I believe John Newton captured. He captured, in five stanzas of a song, he captured the true significance of what it means to live an extravagant life. It means to be captured by the heart of God who becomes not just our creator, but now he becomes our father. You see, coming to grips with the fact that God's love for us starts with him and not me. John, one of his early followers, put it this way. He said, look, Uh, Herein is love, not that we loved him, but that he loved us and gave his son to be the satisfaction for all of the evil in our world, for all of the wretchedness in our world. You see, I think uh, Newton came to that point and realized that, and he said, amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. Not John didn't come to God, but God came to John. John felt the love, the extravagant love of his father. And despite the despicable nature of all that he had done, the human lives that he had wrecked, the families that he had torn apart, the children that he had ripped from their mothers and fathers and put into slavery for the rest of their lives, despite all of that despicableness, John Newton came to understand herein is love, not that we loved him, but that he loved us and gave his son to erase all of my wretchedness, that I might now turn my face to my father and experience his extravagant love on me. I might be stunned on a daily basis of the fact that yes, even a 10-year-old boy still sins. But God still pours out his extravagant love on him. I love when Paul gets near the end of his argument and he writes in this book of Romans this um, long sort of 
uh, argument about what God is doing in the world. And he gets to the end and he asks the question, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then can condemn? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of the Father and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardships or persecutions or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither life nor death, nor angels nor demons nor present or future or powers, nor heights nor depths, nor anything else in the creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Why could Paul say that? Well, Paul was as, humanly speaking, Paul was as bad as John Newton. Paul was there when, when the first martyr, the first person who died because of Jesus, Paul was there. It was at his order that that happened. He was a persecutor of followers of Jesus until Jesus shows up in his life. And so Paul clearly knew what John Newton wrote about. He understood his wretchedness, but he also understood that his Father in heaven had come and called him into his family and erased the penalty of that wretchedness and was helping Paul as he was helping John Newton erase the power of that wretchedness in his life. He came not to oida, not to know about God, but he came to experience the Father on a daily basis, to have this opportunity to understand that God is is, is not someone we live up to, but we live with. That Jesus is present in our world as we speak. And, and unfortunately for us, it, it might be a little bit like my car keys at times. You know, I, I have a problem with my car keys. I try to put them in the same place all the time. Because I have a problem remembering where they are. But oftentimes, I'm scurrying around my house like an absolute idiot trying to find my car keys, when my wife comes down and goes, well, here they are right here. I mean, they're hidden in plain sight. I mean, I I don't know. I looked there five times and didn't see them for some reason. God's like that in our lives. I mean, he's hidden in plain sight. The, The problem is we spend too much time trying to know about God rather than letting God know us to experience God. And just to take a deep breath and say, all right, Father, I know you're here. I need your help. I I want to feel you in this world. I I want that hand on my shoulder that Misty talked about. I want to understand that you are alive right here in my world. But oftentimes we don't even invite that, do we? We live fast and furious. I got 
places to go, people to see, things to do, as opposed to taking a deep breath and saying, all right, I'm in my father's world right now. And I'm alive today to do his bidding, not mine. Father, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? How do you want me to respond? You see, when we understand that God is hidden in plain sight, we, we move from just knowing about God to experiencing God on a regular basis. We moved into that extravagant world of understanding God has loved us so much that we really don't have to earn up to him. He has come down to us. He's ready and willing and able to engage us no matter what we've done. I mean, you know, frankly, most of us are, 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 are pretty caught up in what we've done. And it's like most of us need to get over ourselves because you're so much worse off than you think. I mean, you think you're bad, but you're so much worse off than you think. But you're so much more loved than you'll ever know. And so just get over yourselves. And, and get off of the knowing about God and get into taking the deep breath and inviting God to be in your life. Jesus, when he went to that cross, he went to that cross for you and for me. His death, when, he, when it was all done, all finished that day, remember what it said. It is, say it out loud, it is finished. It's finished. Debt paid in full. It was paid in full. And so, in the next few minutes as we finish today, we're going to have a chance to celebrate that debt that was paid for you and I. There's a table over here to my left, to my right, one back here on the floor. There's one in the balcony. It's an opportunity. The band's going to come. They're going to sing. And, and, and just give you a chance. If you like, you don't have to. Don't feel compelled. If, if you have yet to kind of put on the jersey, you came in today, you know, and you're still not sure if you're a Chiefs fan. You're not going to wear the red, red and gold, you know, yet. You, you still got, you know, allegiances to the Packers or the Vikings or the Bears or, you know, some other second-class team, you know. Um, you're, you're, not, you're not ready, you know. You're not ready to put on the Jesus T-shirt. That's Okay. I, 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 that, that, is, that is a valid place to be, and I want you to, to be right there, uh, and, and I want you to grapple with all of these issues. But if you feel like you're on the team, you're in God's family, you, you are really, you see him as father, you're not just know about him, but you really want to experience him, this table's for you. There's a symbol of Jesus' blood uh, it's a symbol of, of the fact that when he went to the cross, he died physically in our place. Uh, there's a, some bread there. Uh, and, and it represents his body that was broken for us. And, and those two things, the Bible declares, creates a whole new way of relating to God. It's called a covenant. This idea that, that there was this old covenant, the Mosaic law, you know, you kind of live up to God type thing. And there's this new covenant in which God lives down to us. And he comes and invades our lives and wants to live with us. Not just us knowing about him, but live with us 
in this world. And so I'm going to pray. The band's going to play. You feel free to come as you like to any one of these stations. Uh, Stay as long as you like. And when they finish, I'll be back up here. Uh, But we're just going to celebrate this idea that we have a chance to freely enter God's family. John 1.12, Jesus, early on with his early followers, says, look, to as many as receive me, to as many as trust me, to as many as, as make their lives hospitable to me, to them, he says, I gave the right to become the children of God. The children of God. Enter a new family, a new way of living, a new way of life. So you feel free to come and celebrate that new family this morning. Let me pray. Fathers, um, we are uh, forever grateful for men like John Newton for pinning uh, in in such poetic fashion uh, words like amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Father, every one of us, every one of us moves through that pattern. We acknowledge our lostness, and if we can't, we struggle. We stay on this side of understanding what it means just to know about God. But when we acknowledge our lostness, when we embrace that, and, and we can face our wretchedness, You provide such an amazing opportunity for us to know you, to experience you, to feel a kind of love that we don't feel from any other human being, a kind of acceptance, an irrational acceptance that brings life as Jesus promised. And so this morning we come to celebrate that. Uh, We we come to celebrate Jesus' blood that was shed for us. We come to celebrate his body that was broken in our place. We come to celebrate that you give us the opportunity to be in your family. And we are forever grateful in this world and in the world to come. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.